Today we're going to continue our series called Forgotten God. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter, chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4. And um, we're, we're, last weekend we, we kind of began this series. I'm going to continue it next week. I hope you'll be back with me next week. And then on the 16th of March of this month at 6.30 p.m. here at the Germantown campus, we're going to be doing what we're calling a Holy Spirit night. So we're going to unpack some of how is this for today, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so forth and so on. And that night will be very structured, very simply, as it'll be about a 40-minute lecture, uh, so forth, so kind of that type of a deal. So you can just kind of come in. If you've ever taken a college class, it's like you can audit the class, and then, uh, then we'll take a break. And if you want to be done, you can be done. If you want to come back and you just want to have a time of prayer, uh, then we're going to do that too and have an opportunity there just to be able to encounter the Holy Spirit as we're going to read about it today. Uh, nobody debates in any Christian circle that it happens the way that it, we're going to read about it today. The question is, is that for today? And I believe that it is um, for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to unpack some of that on uh, March the 16th, Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. here at the Germantown campus if you want to join me. Uh, last weekend, as we talked about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, one of the metaphors that the Bible uses is water. John chapter 7 begins to really kind of unpacks this. It's actually Jesus quoting from Isaiah uh, when he's there in the, in, the, in the temple, in the synagogue, and he's, he's teaching that day, and that that's one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit. But there's multiple symbols of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, and today I want to look at two that that we see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, wind and fire. Uh, kind of interesting today, we've got wind advisories, so I just thought that was kind of funny. So if the Lord could cooperate with me in about the right time, just feel like the roof's going to come off like it did two weeks ago, that would really be awesome. It would freak some of you out, which is funny to me too, because I like watching your expressions going, okay, this is a good time. Oh, you need to get saved, you don't go to hell? No, I don't, I, just, I don't, I don't, what, what's going on right now? I'm just a joke. Uh, this is really like, you just need to, everybody needs to look at your neighbor and just say, just, just chill out. Just look at your neighbor and just, I mean, you think I'm going to take, uh, take an offering right now or something. It's just really tense in this room. Um, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the Bible says this, And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from uh, heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now, I don't always do this. That's the English Standard Version, which, in my opinion, is probably one of the most accurate translations that we have today. But if you look at the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase, so it's not a translation, it's a transliteration. It's taking the essence. Sometimes it can kind of help give another insight uh, to what's being said here. I'm going to read this from the Living Bible, the exact same verses I just read. It'll be on the screen. Seven weeks had gone by since Jesus' death and the resurrection, and the day of Pentecost had now arrived. Let me stop there. Pentecost is a Jewish festival, which means 50. It's 50 days after Passover. For us, Easter, 50 days later, Pentecost. That's where that comes from. And the believers had met together that day, and suddenly there was a sound like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. It had been a great time to hear the roof take off right there in the moment. And the skies above them. And it filled the house where they were meeting. And what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on their heads. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in languages they did not know, for the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. 
So again, when you read this passage, no one debates, no one, uh, evangelical uh, circles, Protestant circles, um, Catholic circles, I've not found anybody that says, no, that's not how it happened. It happened just like that. That they were gathered together in what we call the upper room. Jesus told them to gather together and to wait in the comfort of the Holy Spirit that he would send, we talked about that last weekend, would come and would, would give them power to be disciples in Jerusalem, which is where they are here, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So then when the Holy Spirit came on that day, this is what happened. Now again, um, there are two metaphors that are used here that I want to kind of unpack today that I think are incredibly powerful. And that is that of wind and a fire. Wind and a fire. So the first is, is that uh, the Holy Spirit is invisible yet impactful. When we talk about the wind, the Holy Spirit, who is a person, is invisible yet impactful. It's just like a windstorm. It's just like when you, you don't see it, but you feel it. You, you hear it. Um, I grew up in, uh, in what they call Tornado Alley uh, in, in eastern Oklahoma, western Arkansas, and so I, we were raised with tornado sirens. My parents' house, they have a, a safe room in the house, not because they're so affluent, but because if everything goes apart, that, that room will actually, it's concrete and forced, and it'll actually stand. So you don't have to d- dig a cellar anymore. Uh, again, we don't really have basements because you just do a slab on top of grade, and basically the, the frost line's about four to six inches below grade, so it's not needful to do a, a, a basement. Um, but you do have these, 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 these safe rooms. Uh, they used to have storm cellars. Uh, we, I remember as a kid going to the storm cellar. You know, that's what you would do. I mean, at school, you know, especially every March, this time of the year, it reminds me of that. And you can see the destruction of what wind can do, just wind and, and that type of activity. So it's powerful, yet it's completely invisible. Look back at, at verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty roaring wind, mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So this word wind uh, in this, so remember the New Testament's written in the Greek language, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. In the New Testament, this word wind, the Old Testament, the word for, uh, the word for wind, it's the, it's the same word that we use the word for spirit. Matter of fact, breath, wind, and spirit, they're all interchangeable. In the Hebrew and, and in the Greek. Now, there are nuances, but, but they, they, they all mean the same thing. It's very interesting. I want you to track with me on this because there's something that maybe if you've been in church a long time, uh, this may be something that just really kind of goes, wow. Uh, for some of you that haven't been, I'm going to make this really, really simple because, again, I don't like complicated. I'm from Arkansas, right? I'm happy to have a full set of teeth and a pair of shoes. And I'm not even wearing socks today. I haven't gotten that advanced yet. Um, so I, I don't want to make this complicated because I don't think complicated is spiritual. Confusing does not equal spiritual. There are some people that just go, man, that's so deep. I don't even understand that. Do you understand that? No, but that must be godly. No, it's just stupid because you, you can't understand it, right? I mean, Paul even talks about this in, in Corinthians, so the church in Corinth. I'd much rather you speak an intelligent lo- tongue, an intelligent language that people understand than you would a thousand words that nobody gets, because, again, it's our understanding. Now, I know information doesn't change us, right? If information changed us, I would not be eating as many Cadbury eggs as I eat this time of year. Amen? And don't, don't talk to me 
I get cards when I make statements like that. You need to have a better self-image. I have a great self-image. I love all of this. If you had any idea how confident I am, it would really, you'd probably tell me that I need to be a little more humble. And don't tell me that either, right? Because who died and made you God, right? At the same time, don't talk to me about, do you really understand how many fats and how many this? And you could be, da, 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 da. I, I don't really care. Is it, can I help you with that? I eat bologna too regularly. It's processed. I can just keep going on and on and on. Okay, and Miracle Whip. So, okay, I'm sorry, I, I transgress. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. Breath, wind, spirit, they're all the same thing. So where do we find this in Scripture? I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey just for a minute. I'm going to, the Scripture is going to be on the screen, but you can write these references down if you want to do a study for yourself. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. It's the same word we get, wind, spirit, breath, over the face of the waters. So God's creative breath hovered over the water, and on day one, his breath would become forth his speech, which is his word. Go to Psalm 33, verse 6. The psalmist David writes about this encounter, this activity, this action of the creation of the earth. In verse 6 of Psalm 33, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Same words, word, breath. So it's very interesting to me that breath is spirit, interchangeable in, in the Hebrew and also in, in the Greek. It's, it's very interesting to me that word is a different word, but it's connected to those. It's a physical manifestation, manifestation of breath. So we get this, uh, the Jews would refer to God the Father as Yahweh. Yahweh is the sound that they said was the audible phonetic sound of the breath of God. That's what it would sound like. Yahweh. They also believe, even to this day, that when babies are born and they breathe their first breath, the sound that they make is the exact sound that is the breath of God, and it's Yahweh. They don't pronounce it phonetically the way we would as in the English and the Western, but it's, it's a heavy breath. I can't do it. If I tried to, I'd really mess it up, and you'd make fun of me. Again, I am from Arkansas, right? And I don't speak Hebrew fluently. But, but, but it's that breath. It's that, it's, it's that sound of God as if to pronounce and to proclaim who he is from the creation, from the very first breath on this planet. We, we know that, 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 therefore, that this breath of God is actually the word of God. And that's exactly what happens. It's the same connection here in, in Acts chapter 2, where this wind, this breath, this word, it's all the same. It's all interchangeable. And the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit being like wind in these places. He's there hovering over the face of the deep. And when God spoke this creation, he, his, with the wind, with the breath, with the very, became words, and those words became evident. Ezekiel 37 continues to compact this. As Ezekiel, God gives him a, a vision of the nation of Israel, and he looks over this valley of dead, dry bones, and God says, who will resurrect this? And then God begins to breathe over the valley of de dead, dry bones, breath, 
spirit, wind, word, all interchangeable. And they are transformed by the very word and the very power and the very nature and the very breath and the very spirit and the very wind. It's all interchangeable of who God is. This is why words are so important. Don't ever think that words are not important. The sword of the spirit, spirit, wind, word, breath. It's God's word. We know that. Jesus is the word of God made, made, made flesh. The spirit is that, is that breath of God, is that wind of God made manifest in our life that when Jesus left and the Holy Spirit comes and therefore we're in direct relationship with God the Father through the wind, through the spirit of God. It's all connected. Nothing is just out there on its own. Therefore, words have meaning. And every time God speaks, every time he pronounces, every time he breathes out, his words are manifest. They are life. Jesus says that my words are life to all that believe. Why? Because his words are not your words or my words that will pass away. Your words are my words that have an expiration, but his words will never pass away. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to preach way better than you people are shouting. Because here's what I'm saying is we have a lot of people, there's a lot of voices in our world that are speaking a lot of things. And if you're not careful, you'll listen to the wrong wind, breath, word, in your life that will create an image or an ideology of who you are or who you should be. And everybody from media to friends to neighbors to coworkers to education to, to the church, everybody's trying to say, this is who you should be. This is who you should be. This is who you should be. But if you don't get into God's word and let the spirit of God breathe life, speak his word and let the wind of the Holy Spirit pour over you, pour over your family, pour over your marriage, pour over your life. If you don't have that, you will lose something very, very important because God's word speaks to your identity. God's word speaks to who you are. His words are not just needless. They never pass away. It's like when God's walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve and they're hiding and God says, where are you? And Adam says, we're naked. And so we hid. Who spoke to you and told you that you were? Satan. What does God do? No. No. You are not as you were told. You are not who you were told. You are my sons and my daughters. And because you've done this, I'm going to have to discipline you, not to be punitive, but to keep you in a perpetual state of sin. I will make a way of escape. I will bring redemption and restoration to your soul. And he speaks life where the enemy of their soul spoke death. And this is what the Holy Spirit does in our life. This is not some weird Casper the friendly ghost, spooky type of a deal. This is not some like, hey man, do we need to bring our own snakes when you're talking about this service? Because this is some crazy stuff that you're, all right? I've seen the same shows you have. The world doesn't know what to do with this. No. It's God's word being spoken. It's the breath of God being spoken. It's the spirit being spoken. It's by the spirit that the writers of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit wrote the words of God. Interesting. Breath, spirit, wind made manifest in word. 
John chapter 20, verse 22. And when he, Jesus said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. These are the disciples. John chapter 3, verse 8 says, And the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You don't control the Holy Spirit. It's not weird. It's not wacky. It's not wild. Nothing's going to happen to you that you're not in control of. You're, you are the authority of your own life. You're the gatekeeper of your own life. That's why Jesus says he stands at the door of every man and every woman's heart and he knocks. He doesn't barge his way in. He doesn't intrude his way in. He doesn't break down the door. If you don't answer the door, he doesn't come in. But if you want him to come in, he will come in and he will live in your heart through the person of the Holy Spirit. But you don't control the Holy Spirit any more than you can control the wind. We will never be able to control the wind. We will spend lifetimes trying to control the wind. We can maybe harness some of its power, maybe leverage it from time to time, but it blows where it wants to blow and it does what it wants to do. And it's not something that can be controlled. Therefore, the spirit of God is that way. When this non-physical power has this tangible impact, sometimes it's gentle, sometimes it's mighty. The gentle moving of the Holy Spirit, it's his abiding presence. It's the source of wisdom. It's the illumination of scripture. That's where the wind is so gentle and so kind. You've been on those days where it's kind of like a warm summer breeze, or maybe it's a hot day and there's this kind of a cool breeze that just kind of comes through. And, and man, if you get a hammock under a shade, just right, man, it's just awesome. The Holy Spirit moves that way. He speaks. The wind of God blows and moves and it's, comforting and it's calming and it's refreshing but there's also the mighty acts of the holy spirit where he uproots sin where he empowers us to witness and be bold in the marketplace and in our world we don't need boldness here at church on Sunday morning. We need boldness on Monday morning. We need boldness on Tuesday afternoon. We need boldness as we're traveling on Thursday. We need boldness as we're dealing with clients and family and friends. Well, that's what we need. We need a, the mighty acts of the Holy Spirit. It's this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And again, March the 16th at 6.30 p.m. here at the Germantown campus, I'm going to be unpacking what that means for us in the 21st century. Again, I believe it's the same thing that we see here in the book of Acts and all throughout the book of Acts. But it's these mighty moves of the Holy Spirit, like a mighty rushing wind. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it's never an event, it's always an encounter. But the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God sweeps over our souls. And I just want to say this before I go and I, and I, and I land this plane with the second point is you can give him the Heisman, but if you will and you'll allow, the Holy Spirit will breathe life into you. The Holy Spirit will breathe life into your marriage. The Holy Spirit will breathe life into your kids. The Holy Spirit will breathe life into your existence. And when the world comes in and tries to say and speak death into your life, the Holy Spirit's the one that goes, no, that's not, what my, that's not what Jesus said. No, that's not what God's word says. Breath, spirit, wind made manifest in word. 
This is what God's word says. We talked about last week. He will bring to remembrance all that Jesus said, all that the, who is Jesus? The word of God, all that the word of God says. So in those moments, you're not there going, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what, no, it's all been downloaded. I, I was in a situation this week, and I'm going to say this because I think somebody needs to hear this. And I, when I study for sermons, I, I am oscillating constantly. Just think of it like a, this shouldn't surprise you, it's like food. It's like a, it's like a rotisserie, you know, it's just kind of, it's just going to slow cook. Like I put all the ingredients in the crock pot or I put it all on the, on the barbecue, I just put it all there. And just so you know, I don't do any of those things. I eat, but I don't do any of those things. So I don't know how that works. I just know it works. And... Uh, and you put it in there, and I just kind of let it, and I marinate. And it's just, it's interesting how I just will give, just give room to what was going on. And I was somewhere, and there was people all around in this particular space that I was in. And uh, a person walked by, and it just triggered a particular thing in my mind. And, and I immediately just went that direction and uh, thought of a, it just, it just a, a, a series of events and I'm just looking at these people just going, and I don't, I'm not trying to be judgmental because I, I don't know, but I know enough by the context of what's going on that, man, the world has lied to these people. The enemy has made a fool of these people. This is no different than Garden of Eden. This is, the, people are people, right? There's that wind. And, and, and that's kind of that whole deal. And, and I just was sitting there and just, and, and I'm processing on this message. And all of a sudden it hit me when God walks and talks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And when he comes to them and he says, where are you? And he says, I'm, 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 we're naked. That's why we hid. And who told you? And how many times do we react and respond to the words that are around us that are never life-giving, that are not, that are not helpful even the world that we live in where there's this relativistic truth where I heard somebody the other day, I've got my new podcast and I'm going to tell you my truth. What does that mean? My truth. Because your truth and my truth, somebody's lying at some point. You understand what I'm saying? There cannot be multiple truths. And I understand pluralistic thinking and I understand all of this, blah, blah, blah. But no. When you, if you read the Bible... And you believe the Bible, and I'm pretty simple on this. I kind of believe it from Genesis all the way to the maps, okay? So just work with me here for a second. I, I, I believe that God did what he did the way he did it. And I believe there are things that are supernatural that I can't, I can't completely explain. I can't put into a test tube. But I didn't write the book. This is just what it says, and this is just what it is. And, so, and I'm okay with a God that I can't completely understand, that I can't completely explain, that I get only, as Paul would say, this side of eternity. I understand a part, and I know in, in, know in part. On the other side, I'll get it, but this side, it's partial. I just see that, and I just kind of go for a moment like, these, it's, no, there's, 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 there's God the Father at work through the Holy Spirit in our planet right now until Jesus comes back, according to Scripture. And there's the enemy of our soul who wants to steal, kill, and destroy, John chapter 10, going about like a roaring lion. And the only thing that wants to give you life and life to the full is Jesus. So which voice are you listening to? Who, who's speaking into your life? It's not an influencer. It's, there's a voice. There's a wind. There's a spirit. 
There's something that's there. And again, I'm not talking about weird, wacky. I'm just saying there is a spirit behind the world. There's a, there's a spirit that's at work in the world. There, there is a deceptive, and he wants you to have multiple truths because multiple truths does what? It creates confusion. And in confusion, it's murky, and so no one knows the truth. But Jesus said very simply that he is not the author of confusion. That's the work of the enemy. Very clear. When God speaks, there's no questions. There's no ambiguity there. Jesus didn't say, hey, I may be one of the ways and one of the truths and one of the ways to truth and life. No, no, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. Narrow is the road. And hard is the road that leads to eternal life. And wide is the road and easy is a road that leads to destruction. Two voices. So it's very interesting on this day of Pentecost, wind, spirit, breath, manifesting in word, that that's how God uses one of the physical manifestations of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, his language. Isn't that interesting? Nothing's by accident. And so God is at work and God speaks. I'm, I'm, I'm out of time, but I need to give you my second point because I'm like this. The Holy Spirit burns, but yet he also heals. This is the fire of the Holy Spirit that's here. This is very simple to understand. We get this probably more easily. The Holy Spirit burns, yet he heals. Look at verse three. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. So again, this is physical. This is what it looks like. They're trying to describe what's happening in the moment. No one's actually getting physically burned. You understand that this is, and this isn't some like Las Vegas uh, magician trick. But it's, if wind is about power, fire is about purity. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts us. That's part of his role. That's that purification. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he, the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Again, the work of the Holy Spirit Part of his work is to allow that fire that brings purity to bring conviction. That's why it's so important for you to say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Holy Spirit, have your will and your way in my life. Holy Spirit, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. Secondly, the Holy Spirit comforts. Romans 8, 26, he, he comforts. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. It's, it's like a, a fireplace. It's like a fire in the fireplace at your home, your house, your apartment, whatever, on one of those cold winter nights in Wisconsin, and it just brings warmth to the room visually and physically. The Holy Spirit comforts us in those moments. And be very careful what you do, because we all do things physically to comfort us, that we don't substitute what we're doing for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Where we're using a substance, well, I use this to kind of knock the edge off today. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. I I do this just to kind of, just to kind of relax. Be careful. I'm not saying watching sports centers is a sin, so don't take, don't take it out of context. Amen. But at the same time, I'm saying, hey, be careful to make sure that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to bring comfort to your life. Are you in need of comfort? That's what he does. He's called the comforter. 
So he convicts, he comforts, and thirdly, he counsels. And this is all part of that flame of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. And the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Holy Spirit is the one that gives you that divine direction. Again, it comes back to word, wind, spirit, breath. He speaks. The question is never, is God speaking? The question is, are you listening? God still speaks today. God will speak to your heart. God will speak to you through his word. God will speak to you in prayer. God will, and the words of God that are spoken into your heart are never something that are in conflict with his word. If something, you know, uh, uh, this is kind of joke, but it, it's kind of sadly true sometimes. I mean, you have a conversation with people and they're like, you know, I'm in this marriage and I'm not happy and Jesus wants me to be happy. That's nowhere in scripture. Happiness is not a fruit of the spirit. Happiness is a euphoric emotional state that we live with. Joy is through the Spirit. But happiness is not. Happiness is your emotional state based upon happenings that are never constant. He wants me to be happy, and so I'm not happy in my marriage. So it must be that God wants me to, 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 to divorce my, my spouse and, 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 marry, and marry this other person because they seem to be more spiritual. And you're going, no, because... The Bible's real clear about if you're married, you need to remain married. And the only reason why that some people get divorced is because there's a hardening of a heart. There's a spiritual issue that's in place. Sometimes we can go, well, I thought God spoke to me something. Well, you go back to what does it say chapter and verse? And, and if it's in conflict with scripture, we don't do it. Because sometimes our emotions can, can trick us and can flip us. And, but but we, we go back to what does his word say? Because his word is the Holy Spirit's speaking, uh, we, we believe that it's the inspired word of God. It's God's words that are being, we're, we're, we're inspired of by the Holy Spirit. So we go to that. That's how God speaks to us. But we also know that we're trying to figure out some things. Do I go to this college or this university or this college and this university? And either one of those colleges, universities were around when those were being written. And so you're not going to find chapter and verse on that. So what do you do? So you began to find wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit. So that's not in conflict with God's word, but it's in consistency with his word. But he begins to speak to your heart and life because that's important. And parents, as your kids are trying to figure things out, let them figure that out. How do they learn to hear the voice of God? You put them in situations where they're not gonna drown, they're not gonna die, but they're gonna have to figure it out. And if they make a mistake, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. I gotta kill them. I remember one time talking to a therapist and I just said, he was telling me something. I was saying, this is what I did. This is what I said. I said, do you think I did damage? He said, yeah, you probably did, but it's okay. Kids are resilient. They'll, they'll bounce back. We're, we're people. We, we get this. So it's learning to hear that voice of God. It's learning to hear that, that voice of the Holy Spirit. This isn't weird. It's not wild. It's just, it's how God works. Again, I didn't write the book. I, I didn't write any of this. I didn't come up with this. I'm just telling you what it says. And the Holy Spirit, he speaks, he guides, he directs. Sometimes it's a still small voice. Sometimes it's, it's like a gentle breeze. And sometimes it's like a rushing mighty wind. There have been times in my life that I just knew it was right with 
me and with the Holy Spirit. I just had peace, peace that passes understanding. Peace is one of those things that is a fruit of the Spirit, that when peace is in a relationship and peace is in a decision and peace, let the peace of God rule your decisions. That word rule in the original language is where we get the word umpire. Let him referee, let the Holy Spirit, let the peace of God referee the decisions in your life. So is it consistent with God's word? Is it agreeable with your spirit? And anybody else that may be involved, then I would, this, is, this is the way to go. But there are times where God will speak to you. If you'll listen. I remember a few years ago, I was really going through a very difficult time. And it wasn't anything that I caused, but I was affected deeply by this. I couldn't sleep. I was, I was just, I couldn't sleep at night. I was going weeks with like, like three hours of sleep a night. And I, I'm an eight, nine hour a night guy. Like I, I am not a, I have to have sleep. And I remember it was four o'clock one morning and I had walked the neighborhood. And I just, I was trying to get myself to wind down and I was walking and I was just praying. This one thing I love about like wireless devices and Bluetooth, you can talk to God all the time and nobody thinks you're crazy anymore, right? You see, you had to at least hold a phone up and go, yeah, Lord, I just need you to, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, but now you can go. And so I'm walking the neighborhood and I get back and, and I finally just sit down on the back patio and the moon was bright and everything was there. And I was just there and I was just like, God, I don't understand. And in that moment, God brought me right back, the Holy Spirit to a passage of scripture. And it was, a, it was a, a parable that Jesus taught. And it was, like, it was like my earthly dad, it was like the father was just saying, so in this parable, who is this and who is this and who is this? And he unpacked it and he said, and that's you. And that's me. And I've got all this worked out. You've not done anything wrong in this. You just need to trust me, walk this out and be constant. Four o'clock in the morning, my back patio, t-shirt, tennis shoes, running shorts. And that's way more information than you wanna know. I'm just saying I'm not in a service on a Sunday morning. There is no worship, there is no choir, there is no band, there is no anything. And my heart is laid open before God and the Holy Spirit just speaks in that sweet, still voice that every time anxiety tried to raise its head after that, I would go back to that moment. Every time I'd go back to that moment, every time I'd go back to that moment, every time the enemy would say, this is never gonna work out, I'd go back to that moment. Every time I know I'm gonna go back to this moment, this is where God spoke to me and this is consistent with his word. Therefore, this is his word. This is his spirit. This is his wind. This is his breath made manifest in his word. And when God speaks, he brings life.